I'm Brittany Hardin-Tangway, a manager with KPMG, and I am fascinated by the practice of transfer pricing and its impact on the global market. Join me each episode as I explore the transfer pricing world with specialists who will explain the ins and outs of this niche practice where tax meets economics. In our previous episodes, we've spoken about what transfer pricing is, in short, the setting of prices for transactions between related parties, which may leave you wondering, how are these prices set? Without an open market to more quickly determine prices through basic supply and demand, in transfer pricing, we generally follow what we in the U.S. call the arm's length standard, otherwise referred to as the arm's length principle in the rest of the world, per the OECD guidelines. We'll use these terms interchangeably for the purposes of our discussion. Francois Vincent, a retired principal from KPMG's transfer pricing practice. Hello, Brittany. Glad to be back. (laughs) And David Unger, Managing Director in Transfer Pricing hello are with me today the phrase arm's length and the questions are the results or is the price arm's length is part of our daily vernacular in transfer pricing and i think it's worth taking a step back to ask the question what is arm's length francois the arm's length principle the arm's length standard is essentially saying look the price that should be charged between affiliates of a multinational company should be the same as the price that would have been charged between independent companies. That's all it is. So arm's length as an expression here is simply an illustration of the fact that the two parties to a transaction are not under common control. That means also that one party cannot influence the other. So when we look at what is arm's length and when we're saying the arm's length principle or the arm's length standard, Arm's length is simply meaning that there is no common control. There's no control by one party over the other. There's no economic or legal influence from one party over the other. Arm's length is a proxy for independence. And it means that you treat every related party as if they didn't have a connection to you. That's hard to create, right? That's a fiction that we have to get to. Francois, talk a little bit about the history of the arm's length principle, at least in the context of the OECD. Where did this come from and why is this important to the OECD? So the arm's length principle itself did not originate with the OECD, but the OECD adopted it in its earliest versions of their draft income tax treaty. The arm's length itself originated early in the 20th century in some of the very earliest double tax treaties between two countries. The arm's length principle was included in the U.S.'s very first income tax treaty with France in 1932. The OECD started its work after the Second World War. So you're in the 50s and 60s. They're elaborating their own version of a double tax treaty, working off the earlier work of the League of Nations. The OECD adopted the arm's length principle as part of its very first draft income tax convention as the standard that would be applied for transfer pricing transactions between related parties. Well, keep purposes of tax treaties is to avoid double taxation. Anytime that there is economic double taxation, when the same income is taxed in two different jurisdictions, then that will affect not only the results of the multinational enterprise, but also where and how that multinational enterprise will invest its capital, where it will carry on business. The other reason for using something like the arm's length principle is to actually have a level playing field between companies that are not related 
that arm's length standard, though, is so difficult to apply because there's many things that corporations do on an integrated basis that nobody else does independently. What I mean by that is we look for comparables in transfer pricing. We're always looking for what's the comparable transaction to this out in the economy that we can benchmark against. So we would use that as our measuring stick. And many times integrated companies don't have anything they can benchmark against. Nobody does it for them. They can't buy in the service. They can't buy that component like, oh, I'm going to sell this rocket to my subsidiary in South Africa. How much is that rocket worth? I don't know. There's no rockets out there for sale. I can't spot that in the market. And what if I said, oh, launch this rocket for me. Do it as a service. Well, who are you going to, you're going to find a price tag out at NASA? No. So you have to start identifying what the comparables would be and assign economic value to it. That's a challenge and it takes broad minds and interest in lots of different things. The other reason for using something like the arms line principle is to actually have a level playing field between companies that are not related. Looking at David's example, if a company in South Africa, an unrelated company, want to buy that rocket uh, from an unrelated party in the US, it would have to pay a certain price. And let's say for the sake of the example, it's $500 million. That's the arm's length price. But if we look at wanting to level the playing field, it would be unfair if the same rocket could be sold to an affiliate or so related party in South Africa for $50 million. That is clearly unfair. So you can see that the two prices don't match. There has to be a standard in the arm's length price. Here's 500 million. But the analysis would not stop there. There might be reasons why in one set of circumstances, the arm's length price is 500 million. And in another set of circumstances, it's $50 million. There might be adjustments that need to be made for timing differences for, you know, maybe it's not the exact same rocket. Maybe one is propelled by hydrogen and the other one by some other sort of energy. So some of the things I'm hearing with arm's length principle or arm's length standard that the attractive qualities about it is that it can be more or less easy to apply is what I'm hearing. Would you both agree, generally speaking? Can I say no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said no. I loved David's example of the rocket in South Africa. I'm from Houston and we're pretty proud of our space program. And up until quite recently, with the exception of a few other places around the world, we're kind of like number one in the game as far as rockets are concerned. So the idea of selling a rocket, and I can only sell it to a related party in a different jurisdiction, how can I really, in good faith, say that from an arm's length perspective, an unrelated party would be willing to buy this rocket that I've built for a certain price if I'm not willing to sell that to anybody else? Inevitably, you're going to find situations where you just can't find good comparables or I've got something that's kind of one of a kind. To me, that seems like a real challenge and something that we face every day is transfer pricing. David, you want to go first? It's interesting. I think about the control transactions that you'd get in unique situations like the rocket, right? But then there's other times someone might reasonably ask, can't you just go out and determine the price based on the cost to produce? If you know that a sneaker sells for $30 or $100, then you know that that pair of sneakers should have this price coming into the U.S. if it's being sold from China into the U.S. So why can't you just deduct a certain amount off of it for the retailing function? And then there's your price, right? I would say that nowadays, the biggest problem is that we've got all these intangibles. We're a world of intangibles. We don't just deal with 
grain and stone and whatever. You're talking about a complex economy that has all these brands and ideas and what's a movie worth, right? Mm -hmm. We are a world of ideas and ideas are very difficult to price. So when you're talking about goods, yeah, we could probably find a price for a good. And what about a service? Yeah, we'd probably go out there and find somebody else who could perform a similar service and we can price that. When you get down to the intangibles, that's where transfer pricing is notoriously complicated. Mm -hmm. And it's where tax authorities see the most, I guess they would say most abuse potentially, or the most complication in just identifying what's reasonable. And I'm using the word reasonable because arm's length, well, there is no other comparable out there. So how do we determine what's arm's length? You have to find some sort of reasonable standard. And the concept of arm's length has really given enough elasticity to the discussion to allow companies and providers and uh, tax authorities to find some middle ground. It takes a lot of creativity. I would pick it up on that. If you look at the arm's length principle, that is saying the price for this transaction between two affiliates ought to be the same as the price for a similar transaction between unrelated parties. How do we decide if it's similar? That might entail comparing the products being sold, ensuring that the terms of the agreements were similar, or considering whether a transaction occurred in the same geographic market at the same time of year, et cetera, et cetera. Asking whether or not there were similar volumes being sold or if the business strategies of the companies being compared are alike. It would have to be within the same geographical market. It would have to be at the same time of the year. It would have to be the same volume and so on and so on. There's a series of criteria that you have to put around there to say, well, this is exactly the same transaction. Because if it is not, then either you have to account for the differences in that criteria, or you have to make certain assumptions. As an attorney, I always thought, one of the funniest jokes I'd heard about economists was the economist who's on a deserted island has a can of food and he's wondering what to do with it. And he said, well, assume you have a can opener. Yeah, well, so assumptions are, well, sometimes they're somewhat reliable, but they're still not exactly the same as, well, we've got the same goods sold at same time, same volume, et cetera, et cetera. So even for relatively simple items, the t-shirt. Well, does it have the same blend of cotton as the other? Is it exactly the same t-shirt? We could say, well, t-shirts is t-shirt is t-shirt. Mm, not quite. Been doing this for 30 years. There are very few transactions where you can say, oh, I have found the identical transaction between two unrelated parties. So it's even in the world of commodities, it's yeah. very difficult. So mm. coming back to your question, Brittany, isn't it simple to set prices in accordance with the arm's length standard? Uh, no, it isn't. Not at no, all. This was fabulous. Thank you both so much, Francois and David, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Brittany. It was less painful than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining me on this adventure in transfer pricing. See you next time. <laughs>